Well, again, good morning to you. Uh, time for sermon number two. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today. Let me go ahead and ask you to open up to that if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in a series, a new series that we know we started at the beginning of the year, walking through 1 Corinthians, and it's called Restore. Uh, let me go ahead and reference um, that beautiful piece of furniture that was restored. You saw how bad that was. That is now outside so that you can see that there is a way for your, your life individually, your, your marriage, your family, your friends. Restoration is a real thing through Jesus. It really is. But it takes a lot of work. And a lot of people don't want to do the work. Right? It's the whole no, uh, notion of some people want to have, everybody wants to have written a book. Nobody wants to do the work of writing a book. Right? It's the same type of mentality. Do the work. Restoration is real through Jesus. Do the work. Do the work. That piece of furniture out there, I'm so grateful to some of our friends who have worked on that. Um, know this, if you want to write down, seriously, if you want to write down your name and any kind of price, whatever you're willing to pay for it, we're going to give that money to, uh, to help with our pastors in the Philippines. If you don't know, we now have 13 churches and a Bible college in the Philippines. Um, and so we help to support them through curriculum. It's not going to go to them in cash. It's going to help buy some discipleship material and everything like that for their churches. I think that's a pretty good cause um, because for them, they make about $2 a day. Um, and so if we can help them out, um, and buy some of that stuff for them. That'd be great, and some new Bibles, etc. So if you write it down, put it in the offering, say for the chest, whatever it is. I get the names mixed up all the time. It's a Hoosier Hutch. Um, and if you want to do that, go ahead and do that. That'd be awesome. You ready for Scripture? Okay. So the one person who's ready, we can just go ahead and meet right up front. <laughs> the rest of you can leave now. Um, you ready for Scripture? There you go. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 9. Before we dive in and we get to the actual verses, I'm going just 1 through 9. I want to tell you a little bit about this guy, Apollos. Everybody say Apollos. This is important. He's already been referenced previously. Um, write down, if you would, Acts 18. This is going to help you. If you're new here, we love you. You participate. We're participating together in worship and how we engage Scripture. So this is important for us. So take this, write it down, when you get, uh, and you can read it later on. I'll reference some of it right now, of course. But Acts chapter 18, 24 through 28. It speaks about Apollos. He's a Jew. It says, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. He came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. Um, remember, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church from Ephesus on his second trip there. So we remember that. His visit in Corinth lasted how long? Lord, give me patience. Um, how, long was, how long was he in Corinth? Year and a half. Let me get into it now. Knowing Scripture should matter more to you than pretty much anything else in your life. Do you believe that it's the perfect Word of God? Do you think that it's... So that means it's inerrant. That means it's something that is living and alive. That's something that is, is as applicable today, always will be forever and ever. So we want to absorb that deep within our bodies, deep within our souls. That's why 
we jump into it with such passion because here's this guy, Apollos. We know that he's eloquent, that he's competent in the scriptures. Um, He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. He was speaking boldly in the synagogue. But here's the problem. He was speaking about baptism, okay? But he he was speaking about baptism in terms of being baptized through John the Baptist. And so then, according to Acts chapter 18, you have these friends of ours who you already know, Priscilla and Aquila who have to come and say, oh, hold up. We love your knowledge of the word and all, but you got something wrong here. It's, there is baptism through no one other than Jesus. It's not through John the Baptist. It's through Jesus Christ. That's exactly what this is communicating to us. And so they had to come and correct him. So that's exactly what's taking pl- place here in Acts chapter 18. And that we know in Acts chapter 19, 1 through 7, um, it says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came there to Ephesus. Um, And it gets in to what Apollos was doing and the power of his ministry. And Paul had to step in and say, okay, make sure you know certain things, right? And he's letting everyone know that you're only baptized through the Holy Spirit. So this is important. Apollos was this man. He was knowledgeable. He was a great communicator. I think he's one of those guys who just captivated certain people. And because of that, they gave, them, uh, gave him their ear, which is we speak about that a lot here at Chapel Point. You've got to be careful where you give your ear what you really listen to, what's directing you. So that helps you out with Apollos because he's going to be in this text. I don't want it to be a distraction. You should hear Apollos and go, oh, yeah, a preacher of the word, but he got some stuff wrong. So he had some friends come to correct him because he thought it was about baptism of John the Baptist. But you can only be baptized and know salvation through Jesus. And so, oh, that's Apollos. Okay, let's stand for the reading of the word of God. And as we get ready to read the word of God here today, um, know that this is what you will learn from not only Apollos, but from the writing of Paul. It is only through Christ that we are saved. Let's put this on the screen. I just want you to get this one thing. This is, that's the theme for today. Everybody read it together. It is only through Christ that we are saved. That's it. And you're going to hear that in the reading of the word this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 9. And it reads as follows. And I'm going to get you to read everything that's underlined. I'm going to try to help you out a little bit today. Everybody say thank you. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Um, but I, brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, there he is, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. Read that again. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of God. You may be seated. 
So here he comes. He steps in pretty fast and furious, meaning Paul. And he says, listen, I couldn't address you. I can't even address you as spiritual people right now. Now that, to me, if I'm a part of the, New Te- of the New Testament church there in Corinth, that one hurts. Can, can you imagine somebody stepping into this place? They get up on this stage, not that I would let them, um, and um, they come and they say, guys, I can't even speak to you as spiritual people. Anybody be ruffled, have their feathers ruffled, ruffled by that? I don't know why we use that saying. None of us have feathers, but... Um, like, I, I think there, we'd be a little bothered by that. All of a sudden, you know, some of us, we've given our life to something. We've given our energy to knowing the word. And somebody steps in and says, hey, because that's not what they were doing. So he, he's like, listen, I can't even address you as spiritual people. But as people of the flesh, I'm addressing you as infants in Christ. You are babies. Now, I'm going to let you personally determine where you are on that scale. But he's having to come and say, I fed you with milk, not solid food. You weren't ready for it. Even now, you're not ready for you. Are, why are they not ready? Why are they still infants? They're still infants. This is the correlation here. They're still infants because they are still of the flesh. Listen to the, the word of God here. It says, but I, brothers, I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants as Christ, in, as infants in Christ. So it automatically relates being of the flesh with being an infant, spiritually immature. And then I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. So being spiritually immature is directly related or linked, right, to being of the flesh. Of Here's the flesh, of wanting human desire. And not being willing, and I get human desire and all that, but not being willing to set that aside over here so that you can grow more in Jesus. Hello, conundrum of every day. Right? Anybody struggle with this every day? Like, is this God's desire? Is this my desire? Is this God's desire? Oh, man. And you, you start chasing things that you want, things that you desire. I still struggle with this every day. You can judge me for it if you want, but I know his grace is more than enough for me. And But I still wrestle with, man, is this my desire? Is this his desire? Is this going to push the kingdom of God forward? What's this really about? And so he's letting them know, guys, you're still of the flesh. And here's what that creates. He says, right, and even now you're not ready for you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So here's one of the products, right, of if you know whether or not you're living in the flesh, if you're an infant, is that you still have this jealousy and this strife in you. You're, you're always wrestling with it, right? But you have jealousy. I think we could all agree that at some point or another, we've had jealousy in our life. And he's coming and he's going, man, that's what an infant does, right? We know the most popular word of any baby. What is it? Mine. Oh, I held a baby last night. It was so cool. And I was so glad to give it back. (laughs) Mine, mine, mine. And so he's like, guys, you're infants. You have to do, by the way, you have to do everything for an infant. Like how much has to be done here that you should be doing in the kingdom, in this church? 
right? For an infant, what do you have to do for them? Feed them, bathe them, change that nasty diaper, right? You got to change their clothes. You got to wake them up. You got to take them out for a walk. You got to whatever. That, I mean, like in a stroller, that sounded wrong. As soon as I said it, I was like, they didn't come out right. Um, right? You got to take them out, put them in a stroller or whatever, and pull, pull them around in a wagon and um, all these different things. I, it's, and it's awesome. I love all my kids. We know this. But, man, it's a lot of work. And so others are still having to do their work for them because they're not doing the work. Do you know some of us are having to work triple time because some of you are still not stepping into your spiritual giftedness and serving the bride the way that you should? I know that the majority of people who come here are believers, right? Right? And so I have to speak to you as the believers. Corporate worship is for the believers to come and to learn and to grow and to be sharpened and to be encouraged. I love you. I love this place. But some of us are waiting for others to do the work that God has called us to do. So here, these infants, they're dependent on other people. Right? And, and here's the problem with, if, you're not, if you put your dependence, they, you're going to find very quickly, they put their dependence in Paul and Apollos and other people. And when you put your dependence in other people and not God, you're in a lot of trouble. It's going to lead you astray at some point. It will lead you astray at some point. He speaks about how they're carnal. Three different times it refers to them as being carnal. People of the flesh, carnal. It means controlled by the flesh, carnal. That's what that means. You're being controlled by the wrong thing. You're being controlled by your human desires rather than the desires of God. And so he steps into this. Friends, let me, let me make sure you understand this. I'm just going to sit down with you. We're going to have some real talk. Um, dependence in others. Here's what it does. It just, it just, in the first four or five verses, it tells us. Dependence in others can lead to jealousy and strife while dependence on God brings transformation. There's the difference between the two. So do you have more transformation happening in your life or do you have more jealousy and strife happening in your life? Which is it? It's a great barometer for us. We get to learn from that. We get to help each other with it and grow in it. So we start to understand that. And we know that infants... When they're spiritually immature, anyone who is spiritually immature, they always have to be checked in on and helped out. They throw tantrums. That's one of the things I've learned about babies. They throw tantrums. That's one of the things I've learned as I've pastored now for 30 years in churches in different capacities is I've learned that, man, spiritually immature people, they don't ask very good questions. They just throw a tantrum. It brings friction to everybody around them. It brings quarreling. It brings bickering. And Paul is looking at the church, and this is what he's doing. Remember, he starts this way at the very beginning about uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 10 and following. 1 Corinthians, you can go back and listen to the second week in the mess of, of the series. He speaks, and he's very, he's very direct in saying, guys, you need to grow up. Well, that's what he's doing here again. He's like, you guys are still acting like kids. Some of you aren't even cleaning your room. I asked you to at least clean your room. You ever looked at someone and so you've been like, if you can't even do this, how are we going to do that? 
If you can't even read the Word of God every day and make priority for that, how do you expect to be used by God in a profound manner to bring the kingdom? I scratch my head sometimes because here, I mean, this is, he's talking to infants, remember? And, and here are people who I think want to be used by God. They want to see God come in and do these awesome things. And he's like, wait a second, if you can't even get this right, how are you going to be used by these other things? Some of you may want to go, I want to be used by God. This would be cool to be, anybody think it'd be cool to be used by God? Right? Yeah, let's go. That means you could jump into the word of God every day. It's a discipline. I will never tell you that being devoted to the Almighty God and to the Word of God at all times and always is easy. It is hard. If anybody's ever told you that it's easy, they were lying to you. It's hard. That's why it says the world will persecute you for it. They will mock you for it. They will create hostility toward you for it. But you do it anyway because that is your deepest longing because you know what you are without Jesus. And I know that without Jesus Christ, I am nothing at all but a fool and I have nothing to move forward to. I will die a lonely man. But I know that with Christ, I have freedom and I have joy and I have peace and I have comfort and I have contentment. And in all things and always and every single day, I have the peace of Jesus Christ. So you have to ask where you are in this. And he's looking at them going, guys, what, you, when are you going to grow up? And at times, what, what, what we see here is that at, at some points, the people became more concerned about following a person rather than knowing a savior. How about Paul? How about Apollos? Don't we see this in the church today still? I, I start thinking about some of the preachers today, and there's some out there. I'm not going to call them out right now. Um, but I just go, man, like, they started so strong, and now what are they doing? Like, I can't find anything they're saying in the Word. Our goal is not to be entertaining. Our goal is to help you encounter Jesus. Make sure you're, know, you're, you're striving to know a Savior. And here it says this. And one says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Are you not merely being human? What, is, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. Listen, the only reason you listen to someone is because you know that they're trying to chase Jesus. If you don't believe that someone's trying to chase Jesus, then you shouldn't be listening to them. If you don't think that I'm trying to, that's a reality. If you don't think that I'm trying to chase Jesus and that this ministry is trying to chase Jesus and to grow the kingdom, then you shouldn't give attention to us. I'll be held accountable for that. Trust me, I'm far more concerned about being held accountable to God than I am to you. So he's like, Apollos and Paul, they're just servants. That's who I am. He's the one writing. He's like, listen, I planted, verse 6, I love this. I planted, yeah, I, we throw out the seeds. And Apollos watered and he kept preaching. He's a great community. He's letting you know, this is, yeah, this is what it is. But let me tell you right now, the growth only comes through God. Don't take the credit for what God is doing and that only God can do. Here's a question that comes from it is that even in that, we have to ask ourselves, are we living by the flesh or growing spiritually? Some of us are actually growing spiritually. We're growing up, but others of us, we're not because we're living by the flesh. This is going to be a great small group topic for you guys. Oh, man. To dive into that. 
Because sometimes the way that we're choosing to live is actually stunting our growth, spiritually speaking. I had a, um, uh, years and years ago, I was a, a student pastor, and we had a, one of our kids who was in middle school, and he was, he was a very small individual physically, and they didn't know why he was so small. Nobody in his family was that way, and he, had a, he was always sick and always struggling with certain things, and he was just so tiny, and they recognized so it was his diet. He would not eat basically anything but chicken nuggets and french fries. And so for years, that's all his family gave him because that's all he would eat. It literally impacted his body. It stunted his growth. Now, let's go ahead and be real. There, there's very few chicken nuggets who are actually chicken. <laughs> Amen? Right? Like, I, I looked at chicken nuggets once in the grocery store, the big package, and the third ingredient was chicken. It's like, oh. So I bought them, gave them to my kids. Um, <laughs> Like some of us have our, we're spiritual, we're stunting our own spiritual growth because of our diet. We're not jumping into the Word of God and letting it penetrate everything else. Some of us are just stuck. Here's what he ends up going to then. He says this. So what then is Apollos, what is Paul? We're just servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each of us. But listen, we planted and we watered, but God gives the growth. If you give too much authority to a person and put them on a pedestal, you're going to be in great disappointment at some time. All right? You got you to understand that. When you put any person on a pedestal, at some point you will be disappointed. It's just a matter of when. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. He's acknowledging, like, I'm the one who, who planted, Apollos watered, but those people aren't anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, right? We're just, each will receive his wages according to his labor. He's like, we're, we're the same thing. We're just doing what we can that, to, to be obedient to God. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Now, I want to unpack this a little bit because here's the, I want to, here's the path towards spiritual maturity. If you're tired of being an infant, here's a, here's a cheat sheet for you. Um, one is plant. I just write, you can write down the words plant, water, grow. Plant, water, because this is scripture. That's what it says, right? Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gives the growth. So that's what we recognize. If you, wanna, if you want to recognize planting, let the word germinate in your heart and your mind. That's what you have to do. This is the path towards spiritual maturity. Here's the first one, planting. Let the word germinate in your heart and your mind. Right there, that's what you have to do. Second, you need to water it. You have to pray and apply biblical truth in your life. You have to let other people step in. You have to be in relationship with other people in small groups and different things like that. God made us for a relationship. He did not make it for you to live alone in a community of believers. That doesn't match. And some of you are like, well, I don't know if I like groups. Get over it. Get over it. I'm so tired of hearing men say, well, I'd rather just stay at home. You are setting an example for your family of what it is to be a part of the kingdom of God. 
I'm fired up today. Can you tell? And so what you're going to do is you're going to plant. You're going to let the truth from the word germinate in your heart and your mind. You're going to pray and apply biblical truth in your life and let people hold you accountable. And then you're going to have growth. God gives the growth to God be the glory. You're going to pray that he impacts your life in a significant way. You're going to pray, God, have your way. And then this happens. He says, you are God's field, God's building. What he's saying is, you're what God wants to use. Recently, I had a good friend of mine that came over. It was fun, dinner. Um, and I, I, I gave an illustration I want to use today. That's why I have all this. And you're like, why does he have two chairs? Um, there is a feast for anybody waiting for anybody who has given their life to Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just, it's just imagine this being loaded with your favorite food. Over here, you just got a bunch of filet and cheeses. And over here, you just got a bunch of filet and cheeses. All right? And there's this feast waiting. And I was like, this is what I think a lot of people who go to church today are doing. They're going, man, this is awesome. And they're, they're looking at it and they're like, yeah, I want that. I want to know that I have eternity with God and, and to say that I have peace with him. But here's their struggle. They're in, they're in the room, Pastor Nathan, they're in the room, but they're over here and they're looking at it. They're like, that's, that's cool. I, I want that. That's, that's I'm, yeah, let's go. You got all the fruit and the vegetables and the meats, and this is fantastic. Like, I, I want that. And so they come and they, they sit down, and like, they, but they, they're watching. So I looked at a friend of mine. I was like, it's about time that you take your chair and actually come to the table. Because you're looking at it and you, yeah, you know Jesus, but you're not fully stepping in to what God has for you. And you're certainly not pulling your chair up to the table. For some of you, it's time for you to pull your chair up to the table. And I'm talking about close, like get up in there, like, come on. If you got to put your elbows up on the table, let your mom correct you for a moment, but put them up on there. I get close to the feast that God has waiting for you. And I think that's the issue and the struggle that sometimes that we have is that we need to be willing. You need to be willing to pull your chair up to the table. Some of you don't feel worthy. Let me tell you right now, everybody who professes faith in Jesus belongs at the table. Everybody. So don't let anybody tell you that you don't belong at the table. Oh, you're not cool enough. Tell them to look in the mirror and then you go live in the joy of the Lord. You all belong at the table. So pull your chair up to the table. Now, some of you don't pull up to the table. Can I give you some reasons why? Say, sure. Okay, so you over there. Here's why. Because some of you have so many obstacles between you and the table, you can't get to it. And you need to repent. Some of you don't pull to the table because you don't think you're worthy. Some of you don't pull your chair up to the table because you just don't want to have to rearrange your life and you really like your selfish desires, flesh, infancy. Going to scripture here. You'd rather keep doing what you're doing than possibly think that God could do more. 
And so you give all your time and energy to what you want to do. And so you don't fully pull up to the table. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, this last week, I had the joy of going to Cedarville University to preach. Um, and there's, there's something happening. You've heard maybe about Asbury University in Kentucky. There's this, they've, they've had a chapel service for over a week straight. Like, they just can't get them out. People aren't sleeping. People are coming from all over the nation, all over the world now to see what's happening. Well, guess what I found out? It's happening right here at Cornerstone. It's happening at Cedarville. I preached over 200 people. First day, came to the altar to surrender idols that they have in their life. It's happening at Cedarville. It's happening at Sanford University. It's happening all over the place. They sent out almost 500 students Wednesday night to all different campuses. They had students driving up from Cedarville to go to MSU after the shooting to pray with all the students on campus. There's a movement that's happening. People are desperate. But here's the thing. For some reason, I was like, man, you know what? We need to pull our chair up to the table. But the, the, the thing is, I think we're waiting for others to experience a movement rather than participating ourselves. You want to see a real movement in the United States? Get, the, get their parents to engage and pull up to the table. Get the parents to say, you know what? We're not going to watch our students experience God in a greater way and have nothing of it and, not, and go, oh, that's so cool that they're doing that. We'll pull our chair up to the table and start participating by repenting for our apathetic approach to the kingdom, for our apathetic approach to the word. We'll pull up our table and say, God, forgive us of when we have been selfish like infants, not worthy of the word. God, forgive us and we will repent. We'll set that example. When we have marriages that where we have individuals going in two totally different directions, we'll have marriages just coming together and saying, God, please forgive us. We just want to be used by you. And we will empty ourselves of all that we have so that the kingdom of God would be made known. Our world is desperate and dark, but he's the light of the world. That's what it would be. It'll start in the churches. A true revival will penetrate the churches, the bride of Christ. That's scriptural. It will not happen apart from that. And so do I love the fact that there's a movement in colleges? I do. But do you think God doesn't want it right here? Do you not understand that? That you can be a catalytic spark for a renewal and a revival? Listen, we don't live in a state that's faith friendly, but I say we change that. I say we change that. I have friends in the South that are like, we get to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, I can't do any of that. When we simply have given in to what is rather than fighting for what can be in Christ we have lost I want to read this to you as you just have an opportunity to pray And some of you know you need to pull your chair up to the table. Either through repentance or recognizing that you need it, that you're worthy there. 
Anybody here need to pull the chair up to the table? Raise your hands. Now, we, one thing we cannot have for a movement of God is timidity. For God did not give us a spirit of what I wrote. It says, we are loved by God. Amen. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And we are empowered by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And as children of God, we have hope and we have joy and we have comfort in the days of difficulty. Nothing can remove us from the love of God. But we have a long way to go because some of us have neglected our need to repent. We've taken for granted the grace of God, which should naturally lead to transformation. Some of us have studied scripture for the propping up of self rather than the elevating of Jesus. And we're trying to be a a witness of God rather than also demonstrating the character of God. We have a long way to go because we have a feast waiting in front of us, but some of us won't even pull our chairs up to the table. We watch from a distance, never participating in all that God is is doing. We're sipping from a bottle rather than feasting on the fullness of God. Will you pull your chair up to the table? Will you pull your chair up to the table to be in a greater relationship with the Heavenly Father? And it will require courage, and I mean it, it will require courage to recognize your sin, your pride, your insecurities that can easily prevail. But hear me say, as difficult as it can be, there's always room at the table for you, your family, your friends. There's always room at the table So you have to ask yourself, will you pull your chair up, sit down and feast with the King of Kings? You can pull up to the table by sharing your faith. How about that? You can pull up to the table by actually repenting. And some of you need to, need to be saved. Some of you need to go, you know what? I'm living for self. I had a friend of mine recently say he, he actually preached his first sermon before he ever recognized who Jesus was. He knew all the right answers, but he had never surrendered. Will you pull your chair up to the table? So Lord, we come before you and we pray for courage beyond courage. Renewal, God, let us follow the right things. Let us not remain as infants but let us recognize that we are your building, we are your field, that you desire to use us and to grow us and to feed us. God, may we start chomping on some real food. May we grow. And give these friends a courage that maybe they have not had in a very, very long time to allow you to move and to allow you to work. In Christ's name.